Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, I, you probably aren't going to tune in on Thanksgiving Day, but you're going to certainly want to check this out because uh, our guests tonight are absolutely amazing in the sense that they're going to give you a proper perspective of Thanksgiving, especially in a nation that has enjoyed more freedom than any nation on the face of the earth in the 6,000 years of recorded history. These are folks that are intimately aware of what it's like to live in a country that has lost freedom, and they fled to America and you're gonna be deeply touched by their stories tonight. But before we get to that, I wanna show you something interesting. Uh, here in our own county, uh, our pastors got together <clears throat> and they are wanting to appeal to the county supervisors and they requested that we participate to sign on. Uh, they sent this, it says, and this is the petition that they're putting before the County Board of Supervisors. Therefore, we are appealing to the County of Ventura and the state of California to grant places of worship who have safely and responsibly reopened under Red Tier 2 to be able to acquire a waiver to remain open indoors under Purple Tier 1 if they meet the following criteria. One, register their places of worship by completing a reopening attestation form. Two, established a written and comprehensive COVID-19 prevention plan. Three, received a site inspection and final approval from a code compliance officer. Four, have zero traceable cases of community transmissions of COVID-19. Five, are committed to maintaining mitigation measures from CDPH and VCPH. Well, uh, I'm not necessarily uh, going to sign on to that. I, I love my fellow shepherds in the community, um, but the government's overreached, and I certainly uh, have no interest in an attestation form or registering our congregation or allowing uh, them to usurp our First Amendment rights. And quite honestly, it's a little late because... Uh, what they're begging the county and the state to do on their behalf, uh, the Supreme Court already basically did. Uh, this ruling came out yesterday. The Supreme Court late Wednesday struck down New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's new COVID-19 restrictions on religious gatherings as new Justice Amy Coney Barrett cast one of her first high-impact votes and Chief Justice John Roberts sided in dissent with the court's liberal bloc, not surprising. And it goes on further to say uh, that, let's see here, there we go. Uh, in a five to four decision, the court said Cuomo's restrictions violated the Constitution's First Amendment right to freedom of worship and granted an injunction barring the rules from being enforced. Members of this court are not public health experts, and we should respect the judgment of those with special expertise and responsibility in this area, the majority opinion said. But even in a pandemic, the Constitution cannot be put away and forgotten. The restrictions at issue here, by effectively barring many from attending religious services, strike at the very heart of the First Amendment guarantee of religious liberty. So my point for that is to share with my fellow uh, shepherds in the community, we've always had this right. We don't have to beg the county or the state to give us that which God has already given us. Uh, we have to be mindful of COVID, use ionization machines, UV lights, wash your hands, understand the data, but we don't have to beg them to, to give us what we already have been given by God. The church is the entity that defends that liberty. And folks, um, I just wanted to say stand strong, stand firm. I know these shepherds want to do the right thing. Um, and, and I know they want to appeal and, and try to be amiable. But the government's overstepped and it's gone to the Supreme Court. And Governor Cuomo's just been shot down. And we're already in this. We've already appealed to the county. We've asked for that opportunity. I went before the judge. 
they had no interest. And I understand my fellow shepherds want to do the same, but um, the county's already shown, as has the state, that they're not interested in the First Amendment. So um, that's where we are. Supreme Court ruling, kind of exciting. Now, as we get ready to transition to our guests on this Thanksgiving, and I'm very thankful for that Supreme Court ruling, uh, absolutely wonderful. But there's much to be thankful for. Uh, but there are some countries around the world that once were flourishing, like the United States of America, doing very well. One was Venezuela. It had the fourth greatest economy in the Western Hemisphere. Their natural resources are unequaled in South America. They are rich with natural resources, and the population there was one of the most affluent. As I said, the fourth greatest nation in the Western Hemisphere. They embraced socialism that rapidly declined into communism slash fascism. Just at an ism at the end, what it is is an oligarchy. The few rule the many, and you can define it by a number of different terms. And as uh, Venezuela embraced this oligarchy, this socialism that descended into communism, it, it wreaked havoc upon what was once a very prosperous nation. Their people now, once they, they were flourishing, they were exporting oil, uh, now they're devastated and they're eating their zoo animals. This is, uh, this is a picture of a shop owner, a small business owner before and after the Venezuelan crisis. Before they embraced socialism on the left, you can see the shelves full of supplies. And now you can also see the Venezuelan diet. He's lost an enormous amount of weight. The shelves are barren and his nation is destroyed. This is, this is what socialism and communism does. And here, in a nation that was conceived in liberty, uh, this idea that our, our pilgrims, 400 years ago this month, when they landed at uh, Plymouth with the Mayflower Compact, the very first uh, political document ascribed in America, these pilgrims came seeking religious liberty because they knew that liberty uh, was found in God. Man always wants to suppress and enslave and control. God has come that you might know the truth and the truth would set you free. You're creating His image, the Imago Dei, and God wants you to flourish. We apply restraints, that's what the law is, in order to, to pursue excellence, which is uh, attaining to those things God desires in our life so that we can flourish. And we've talked about that. I don't want to belabor it on Thanksgiving, but suffice it to say, America is a remarkable place. Mm -hmm. It represents uh, three or five percent of the entirety of the world's population. Yet, in our short 244 years, we've had more patents, more Nobel Peace Prize winners, more symphonies. Uh, we've accumulated more wealth than all other nations in the history of the world. America is the place of innovation and invention because we have freedom. Uh, as I've said before, if you've ever seen a skyscraper that was made possible because an American invented the elevator. Uh, if you see that skyscraper uh, across the ocean and you want to get there, you're going to go there on an airplane that has been invented by an American. If that same skyscraper is in the desert, people can occupy it because it's air conditioned. And yes, an American invented the air conditioner. And then you can watch us via the internet because an American invented that, and it was an Al Gore. And so folks, this is the beauty of America. Where there's freedom, there's innovation. And once we have that, we sometimes, as we look at the Titler cycle, from 
from bondage comes freedom, and freedom comes abundance, and abundance comes apathy, and apathy comes dependency, and then dependency back into bondage. And in this tightler cycle, nations that have freedom tend to lose it because they become um, entitled, and they don't understand the value of freedom. And they're willing to give up their freedom for the sake of security. And so when you're frightened with a pandemic, everyone surrenders that freedom. And we've covered this. You saw the last two nights with Dr. Keith Rose and Dr. Simone. And and as Dr. Simone pointed out so wonderfully, uh, we're watching as we're surrendering these freedoms for a virus that doesn't merit what the government is doing. And the overreach and the tyranny is evident. Well, that's that's, that's how tyrants work. They use fear to take away your liberty and your freedom. And here in Thanksgiving of this year, 2020, the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrims and the Mayflower Compact, and also even thinking back to 1863 with Lincoln with the very first Thanksgiving proclamation, folks, we, uh, we've been given a great gift. And the nation is at a precipice. This is where we... We may embrace a completely different form of government. We may yield to those who would steal an election. We may yield to those who would impose restrictions upon our God-given rights with a virus and the fear of a virus that doesn't merit what they're doing. With me um, are two folks that I'm going to introduce you to momentarily, but I want to show you something. There was a nation that uh, wasn't doing as well as Venezuela, but the people thought with an over-oppressive government, and, and they did, Fulgencio Batista uh, in Cuba, they thought, you know, we're going to divide the wealth. We're going to eat the rich. We're going to have equality. And so uh, in ni- 1953, the Cuban Revolution began, and it concluded in 1958, December 31st, 1958, and... Batista was taken out of office, and uh, this charismatic uh, Cuban by the name of Fidel Castro, uh, though they took away, for the most part, the practice of Christian faith, most of the Cubans had ingrained in them uh, a heart of Catholicism and love for Christ because it was cultural. And so they would do things at some of the rallies where they'd have these doves land upon uh, Castro and he would wear a rosary, and, um, and they, they just thought that he was the anointed one. And he took over, and we know what happened to Cuba. And it was destroyed. And people lost the ability to practice and worship freely. And you can just read the story of it. It's tragic. And these Cubans, losing everything, fled to the United States, the last beacon of hope and freedom. They left everything. Their families left everything. And they came to America. And with me tonight are two of them. Um, I am blessed to have Carmen and Orlando Orta as my guests tonight. They are both folks that survived the exodus out of Cuba. Your families lost everything. Yes, they did. Yes, we did. And uh, you have stories to tell, and I, I want them to hear it tonight. Because for Americans, we're sitting down with great abundance. And, and we're taking for granted 244 years of freedom where the, the supermarket shelves are overwhelmingly full and we can pray and worship, and even though maybe in California they're trying to take that. But these are things that are familiar with you. You've, 
you, you're familiar that these were taken from you. And now being here in the United States, um, you, have, you have a story to share with folks that is very profound and powerful. And Carmen, I have to, I have to tell everyone, yeah, you, you, yes, your, your married name is Carmen Orta, yes. but it was Carmen... Castro. Castro. Yes, it was. Not related Not to related. Fidel. So my father told us. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> both of you from Cuba, both of you uh, made it to America, both of you are United States citizens. Yes, we are. And um, you love this country. I do. And you, you, you have a story to tell folks as we're, we're looking at one of the craziest years in, in our lifetime in the United right. States. And there are things that are triggering memories that have brought concern for both of you, I'm assuming. Oh, and our parents. Our parents are truly concerned. My mother saw it coming five years ago. And I how, said how to her... How old is your mother, by the way? My mom's 86. Orlando's mom is 86 and his dad is 87. And she said to me five years ago, she says, you know, communism is knocking on the door. I said, oh, mom, that's not going to happen here in the U.S. Socialism, that's not going to happen. And she was very stressed about it, blood pressure high, even five years ago, before yeah. Trump even came to... But one thing to start is Americans were wonderful to us at every step of the way. When my parents got here on Main Street, which was their last thread before they were going to ask to go back because it was just struggle all the way, a man on Main Street, my mom says we were homeless before it was popular. My mom says a man stopped them, didn't know who they were. They must have looked pretty bad with two little girls. They had just gone off a bus from Houston and gave them money and said, here. Mm. That's America. That's America. That's America. 86 cents, in, uh, 86 cents of every dollar in evangelism yep. comes from the United States That's of America. America. You combine all the giving of Western Europe. Didn't know us. It's one-tenth of what America gives. Yep. Mm -hmm. Didn't know us. Didn't judge racism or all that we hear. That's, you know, that's not America. America is that man who didn't know us and gave my dad. My dad wouldn't take it. He grabbed his hand and said, take it. That's and that precious. helped him. Yeah. Let, before we get to Orlando, and, and I know both of you have stories to tell, how did you get out of Cuba, and why did you leave, and what what does your mother recall, what do you recall? Oh. Walk us through that, if you will. So my dad worked for a, a legal firm. My mom didn't work. She was raising kids at home, and um, the legal firm... And, oh, excuse me, both of you were Catholic... Catholic. Um, upbringing. Upbringing, okay. Yeah. Both, both yeah. Catholic. My dad was very involved in the Catholic Church. Both parents were. And he worked for a legal firm that did a lot of, you know, representation to American, for American companies. And when that legal firm packed up, said, we're out of here, Roberto, they prepared the, you know, passports, which my parents had, not, had no intention of leaving Cuba at the time because many of them thought this too will pass, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they stuck the passports in a drawer. And it was a little bit after that. It was in 1961 that um, there was an explosion. My mother ran to school. They couldn't find orange juice. They were standing in line for maybe half a pound of meat. They ran for that drawer. And by then, that you, you saved could, them You could lot. start to see that the production yep. had decreased, that, that people were panicking. Yep. yep. Wealth was being redistributed. To talk about that. You, you, you said that 15% that Castro promised that right away, and 15% of the wealth was distributed, distributed. immediately. And, and uh, plantations were taken away, was, was nationalized. And education for children was changing. And they and started to indoctrinate your kids and all those things. And a lot of, you know, parents, which, you know, they did it with all sincere, there was the Catholic um, uh, chari charities 
uh, started sending what they called the Peter Pan flights. So parents put their children, because of fear that their children would be indoctrinated, sent to the Soviet Union to be trained, they put their children in these planes to come to the U.S. Yeah, they stayed, but the kids got over. The kids got over. It was temporary, supposed to be temporary, yeah. but they never came back, and it was devastating for those children. We were both fortunate that our parents, you know, <coughs> did not put us on that flight. You know, they took their chance, a big chance, right? But they took their chance. and. Um, so you all escaped. What yep, year? We, 60? 61 was when we um, flew into Florida. You know, they uh, once they had the passports, because they had the passports, and there was a visa from the U.S., that family member, you know, and so they pretty left fast, but they lost everything. Their home, their, they came in, the militias came in and inventoried every single spoon, picture frame, everything, and when you left that day for the airport, everything better be there. Yeah. One spoon missing, you're going to jail. So they took everything you had. They took everything. So you arrived in the United States Even with, your clothes. <laughs> with what you had. With what you had, 40 pounds of yeah. four. And you think about when you travel, I have a hard time just for May for a weekend staying under 40 pounds, and they had 40 pounds of clothes with two for little four. kids for four. Two little children. Amazing. So, and they struggled here in the U.S., not knowing the language, um, you know, coming in. But, you know, they can tell you every turn there was always an American to extend their hand. Now, back then, when you wanted to become a resident and you were a refugee, you had to leave the country. And so they either had Mexico or Canada. And so they chose Canada because Mexico was too expensive to do it. And they drove up. Where even, might even the language, though, for Mexico would have been a little easier. Here, but they but still, the cost was, yeah, they couldn't afford it. Yeah. They couldn't afford it. And so... But just the, the spirit of the Americans around us, you know, my dad's work, you know, prepared little gifts for us every, you know, 200 miles to open. When we came back, they celebrated, you know, the whole, you know, being a resident. When they became U.S. citizen, that was a big celebration. Wow. So, the, the, you know, people made you feel like this is your home now. And it yeah. is our home. We love America. America has given my mother said they would have never, even in the good days of being in Cuba, would have lived the life they were able to live here. Amen. We're you know? both Americans. Yeah. It doesn't matter where we've come from. America's an idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got more melanin than I do, Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> and you're an American, yeah? I am. I bleed red, white, and blue. Amen. Amen. Orlando, tell me your story. Thank you, Carmen, by sure the way. <clears throat> so... My family came from a very small town called Mariel. That's where the naval base, the equivalent of Annapolis to our That's country. the Cuban naval base. That's the Cuban yeah. naval. So they're up on the hill. My dad and my grandfather were cab drivers. So as a kid, I mean, I grew up, you know, upper middle class. You know, we had food on the table, everything. So my dad was always working late, picking up the cadets, taking them to Havana to the casinos and, you know, coming home late. And then this communism takes over. So the way I look at socialism is like the cheese on the mousetrap. Yeah. You know, go get it. And once you get it, we got you. Yeah. Okay? There's, you know, socialism is a, it's some, an open invitation. Yeah. If something's okay? free, you, yeah. you're, you're you walking into a trap. It, yeah. Question it. So uh, it's amazing because... Both my father and my grandfather were independent business owners. They owned their vehicle, so they took their rides yeah. and did everything. But we noticed that as things change, you know, because the, uh, 
the slogan when Fidel came down from the high Sierras, uh, it was like no different than hope and change. Yeah. Well, and, but he descends down as the Messiah, basically. As the Messiah. So it's hope and change. We're, gonna be, we're all going to be equally. They just don't tell you that the word next to equally is poor. Yeah. You know, we're going to all be equally poor. Yeah. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with being poor. Is that that should be your choice, your God-given choice to work or not work. And so we notice that every family had a five-by-seven booklet that said January, February, all the way to December. So if you were a family of four, the McCoys get, you know, every month four pounds of rice, four chickens, 12 steaks, 36 eggs, just like we do. We're equal. Yeah. We're equal. Wow, what a concept. So there's no motivation. You talked about ingenuity, that yep. if you want, you know, elevators, air conditioners, you know, they're all invented. But what innovation and motivation is there in a communist system if there is nothing to look forward to. Yeah, if, if, if I take the risk and I work, but I don't, I don't get the benefit of that, and then someone who doesn't take the risk and doesn't work gets the benefit of what I did, then why bother? I don't have to do anything, and I, I'll, I'll get something. Right. So productivity decreases. Resentment. And resentment increases. Resentment increases to the nth degree. Yeah. Because now, and, if, and co- if you, you have... You covet. If you have... And the, the one thing about, I'm not going to even use the word socialism because it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's just a it's road, a facade. It's, it's, it's a, a road facade. to communism. It's communism, and to me, is that they try to divide and conquer. That's their slogan. They want to put kids against their parents, parents against family members, because that's where they thrive and survive. So if they want to get to you, they're going to get to Mali yeah. and all that. And then, hey, you need to tell us what Rob is doing at home. The, the because, excuse me. The scripture says, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Yeah. And the greatest treasure to parents are our kids. Yeah. And they go right to our heart by doing that. They know what they're doing, <clears throat> so bring it. And Sorry. so when they can't, they get very frustrated. So They in, want the kids to report on the parents. On the parents. So the way my family got out it was... My father, we lived in that little town that had the Naval Academy on top. My father had a younger sister that married a guy that was second in command in the Cuban Navy. So once a month, they go to Canada and export tobacco, rum, sugar. They got to get the cigars there. And things like that. Yeah. So in one of the trips, my uncle ran into the American, he already knew where the American embassy was. He ran and they chased him and the Americans threw a flag around him and said, you can't touch him. So he worked his way from Canada down to California. And in, that was in 60, 61, he claims his family. So it's still the beginning of communism. It's relatively easier to get out. So my aunt and two cousins get out in 61. So then they start working, you know, in California, and my aunt requested that her parents, my grandparents, and her brother, my dad, so the six of us were going to get out, so we have to file and apply. So it took us eight years under communism to get out, so they gave us a six-digit number. So every time you hear, hey, so-and-so is getting out, what's your number? What's your number? Because you want to see how close you are to that number. 
But during the meantime, you're an outcast to the rest of society. Nobody wants to deal Nobody with you. Nobody wants to deal with you. You know, the, uh, your family, they're called worms because you're leaving. How can you, you know, Yankees go home with a slogan there. And so they want, they, they, they despise you. So you're an outcast. And you've lost everything, your, your, business. your father's right. business, your grandfather. Right. So the only way, so basically they cannibalize my dad and my grandfather's taxi business. So the only way they now can provide or buy or get money so they could buy the same food that everybody else has is to go cut sugarcane at a measly, let's say, three cents a pound. Yeah. So they don't provide you with tools or anything like that. As a kid, in order for me to pass from, let's say, fourth grade to fifth grade, I had to go for 45 days volunteer to the government to go work the fields. And, of course, if my dad was that way cutting cane, they sent me the other way. Because, remember, divide gotta, and conquer. keep the families apart. So my mom had to decide on the weekends, do I go see my son? Or do I go see my husband? So Did you have to go through an indoctrination camp at your age? I mean, were you 13 when you... No, oh. so I was 12 when I got out. <clears throat> but I was 12 going on 45. Because yeah. you, you grow fast. Yeah. You have to. You have to be aware of everything. Because they tried everything around our family, around me. Because I was a rebel in disguise. So, I mean, I would fight every day. And so they came one day to my dad's house and they said, you know... He's fighting all the time unless he stops this. You guys are not going to be able to get out of the country. So my dad had a heart to heart and he says, you know, you got you, you to gotta stop it. Yeah. You, you're gonna, you're gonna, we're trying to get out and you're going to be the cause of this. So then the kids would even attack even more. Yeah, because they I, knew that you were, your but, hands were tied. But, but they're, 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 uh, they're defenseless when you call them out. So you go... Yeah, you're you're doing that because you know I can't hit you. Yeah. So well, why me, don't you, why don't you take a swing at <laughs> so it can be defense? <laughs> you got too sweet of a smile to be so rough and tumble. Uh, Orlando, it, uh, uh, when the day came, your number came up. What was that like? What was it like when you arrived to America? Uh, you had been through, and and communism got far worse. But but you saw the well, beginning no. stages. You saw your family lose everything as Carmen did. Um, and and that that number comes up. How'd you get over? What what happened? Oh my! And when God, you got to America, share with everybody what it <clears throat> meant to you to come to this country. It just it meant. It, it's almost like you died, and I can imagine is the day you go to heaven. You go, wow. Why didn't I get here sooner? Yeah. Because it's like you go, oh my God, all the stuff that we never had. And you're talking about apples and oranges. Nothing like iPhones or anything like that, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Just the basic, yeah, just, there, there's, there's food, food yeah, there's milk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we saw that that contrast of the Venezuelan shop owner. Yeah, yeah. And and you know that, that you guys saw that. So I it. used to go to the store for my parents and my grandparents. I would take their book and say, you know, my it's like I, a, it's like a ration book. It right? is. It's a ration book, and you cannot get any more than that. Yeah. You get a pair of tennis shoes every year, a pair of blue jeans. I mean, so you go to the store, I go, okay, for my mom, I need a pound of rice, four eggs, and, you know, two chickens, and for my, you know, and, and they write it down. So when you're done, you're done. That's it. So you have and, to, and lucky to even find it so that they can give it to you and sign off on it. Sometimes they didn't have it. And yeah. then didn't you go it. to these stores, and these stores are just like the <clears throat> Venezuelan 
you know, yeah. Yeah, uh, post yeah. post uh, communism shelves where you go, there's nothing here. These guys are looking under the cabinets in the back of the store, you know, to get you, you know, four eggs or six eggs or whatever. So you get to this country and you go, you mean it's free for all? <laughs> well, not free for all, but you, yeah, it's you know, available. Yeah. And so you go, oh, my God. So, you know, the idea in our family of a refugee is that we, we just hoard, 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 we hoard <laughs> everything joke. because someday this could be rationed, too. <laughs> Yeah, you hide it under your bed and everything. Well, it's, oh, yeah. it's a joke. Have you, have you gotten over that yet? Not really. I don't think so. <laughs> no, no. And you know what? When COVID started, our joke when we started dating was we'd walk into an apple store because he had told me the story that he was amazed at all the apples in one store. They pile it high. They pile it high. And so when we first started dating, we would walk to this day until COVID, we would walk in and I would say, Orlando, look, they're still there. Those apples are still there. <laughs> And then when COVID came and those shelves were empty, mm. it was no longer a joke. Nope. And I could start feeling what my parents felt. My dad was 6'2 and weighed 80 pounds because parents didn't eat. So their so kids, their kids could. could. Right? Yeah. And that's why you see them losing weight like Venezuela. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They don't eat so that their kids their can kids eat. Can right? Because we then, love our and, kids. And my dad, my, dad had, my dad had the fortune of having family members that still had small farms, you know, pigs, could get some cows. So if he found like 10 pounds of pork and he brought it to the house, I mean, my, so first of all, he had to do it at night when everyone was sleeping yeah. so he could bring it into the house. And then my mom, she would wake us up and go, shh, because she'd be cooking that pork at 4 o'clock in the morning when everyone was asleep. And the windows and on the doors, everything was open, so we wouldn't have the smell. smell. Yeah. And then, but I mean, that's how it was. Wow. Now, you guys had some things you wanted me to remind you to share, some stories. Well, I think he should share more of those camps, right? Because they were tough. Uh, talk about the camps. Because you were what? So. Nine or ten? I was, the first time it was ten, eleven, and twelve. So I did it three years. So we had to go in. So your school year would be over, let's say, May, June, and then you go for 45 days, and they take you away. And from, your, you, from your parents. From, from your, your parents. parents, and you work the sugarcane fields. That's what we predominantly did. So they would give us a machete and no glove. Well, have you tried uh, grabbing sugar a sugarcane yeah. without it's like, bare it's, hands? It's a razor blade. But after a while, you have no feelings in your hands, your fingers. You know, you go, okay, so at first it hurts. But we saw so many accidents because you have nine and ten year olds holding machetes, yeah. and then you're cutting sugar cane so close to one another, and you go, "Wow, this is it's it's terrible." Yeah. But the you indoctrination. Can't but that's that's and the indoctrination to tell us what your parents say at home because we can help right. you. They would they would they would inquire and oh, yeah. interrogate. Oh, yeah. yeah, they want you to. <clears throat> one of the great. Uh, celebrated heroes of the early Ru Russian Revolution, the Communist Revolution, was uh, a young boy who had ratted out his family mm -hmm. and made sure that his father was executed. And he's a hero. He's a hero. He's a hero yeah. to that system. Yeah. He yeah, is. Because there is no nuclear family in communism. And then so they showcase that kid to the other kids and say, see what happens? See what he, he gets to go here because... Yeah. He put the country before his family. Yeah. And that's, that's where, th this is the critical nature, that folks right now in the United States of America 
are discouraged. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I covered this on Sunday. Dis means without. They're, right. they're without courage. They're discouraged. And thankfulness brings encouragement. Mm -hmm. Because you thank God for what He's given you in the trying times. And the very first Thanksgiving was established when there were less than 50 people remaining after 100 had come to the United States the, with the Mayflower and the Pilgrims. And the very first Thanksgiving proclamation by Lincoln was done in the worst year of the Civil War with the highest casualty rates in a nation that was ripped apart. And it's times in America where we're thankful not for something, but for someone, and that's God. Mm -hmm. That when we turn to Him, He's faithful. Yeah. And when we honor Him, He blesses us. And we're in a trial right now yeah. because you never appreciate something until you've lost it. Nope. You never pursue God until you realize you need Him. Yeah. And I, 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 I see an awakening. But you guys both shared that you attended a church for 20 plus years. 20 plus years, yeah. And you were part of the children's ministry, and you guys both served in this church for over 20 years. And your families survived communist Cuba and got to the United States. You're worshiping the Lord, and then the church shuts and closes. Yep. And you start seeing this, the same things you survived and fled from being implemented, and your heart's burdened. Yep. And the church that you love and you poured your life into refused to open. Just to open, it's and just I think, flashings. I mean, flashings of I think of, the fear. You know, I think of, the fear that was created too from the people around us. We were in life groups. Just the fear that people, you know, um, were demonstrating to shut down. Don't say this. The, you know, the peer pressure. And we'd be afraid me. of the government. And what's going to happen to us? And we need to appease the government. And the whole neighborhood watch. What happened in Oregon? That was very prevalent in Cuba, right? Oh, you mean where where they're reporting on each, each other? other. Each other. That's that's just the work. Right? That's just the work, and people don't realize that who don't recognize you know, communism. But once you start you know, tattletailing on your neighbors, you know, that's just the beginning, right? You're not part of the... Cuba was a comité or a yeah. comité, right? And so, so every block nobody you trusts have anybody. a person that is in charge, and they report to the police department. So they go around trying to find, right. you know, guys. Orlando wasn't wearing his mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly, exactly. Is Comité in Espanol, does that mean COVID Karen? <laughs> Should be. Close. When we heard it, that's what we thought. But, you know, my father was the first in his family to leave, had tremendous pressure. He had a cousin that said, you'll be back, but I won't throw a, a, a towel over you. I will greet you with bullets. So he had tremendous pressure mm. because also, as Latins, we're very close to the, the family's important. You're leaving your parents, even though my grandfather would take get out of here. Um, so he, he had tremendous pressure, but he was the first to leave. That cousin ended up coming to the U.S., and my father did not greet him here with bullets, obviously, but, you know, helped him. Yeah. But that was the pressure even among families, right, yeah. that you were separated. Well, I... I, I want to hear more stories, and, and I, I, I want to tell you, though, you survive communist Cuba by fleeing to the United Jeez. States. You fall in love with this country. They fall in love with you. You're, you're what makes America great. Yeah. And you're, you're watching a replay yep. of what you already went through. Yep. And 
you're seeing it affect your church and your community. Yeah. You actually ended up leaving your the church, church. Mm -hmm. and you went. It, we're we're going to find a church that stands against tyrannical mm -hmm. oppression. Mm -hmm. We're not going to tolerate this, and that that came at a cost again. Yeah. But you also understand that that cost is something worth yeah. paying. I feel that now in our 60s. And I feel there's more people out there. We grew Come on. Up. You guys we are, grew up. You guys are in your 60s? Yeah. Even if our, yeah. You look good. <laughs> even though our parents, and we know the stories, and he lived it these last nine months, as adults, we've had to grow up because we have five granddaughters. Yeah. Now it's our turn, our turn, and we can't, we want to, them to be as proud as we are of our parents of having to go through that family pressure, of him going through the peer pressure. You know, we all have to stand up because they're coming for our children. Yeah. They're, they they're already there. Yeah. Right? They're, they're so, going to indoctrinate them. They're going to... Yeah. They already started, right? But it's all well, about the science. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I call it principles of communism. You know, communism 101. And yeah. We're asleep. And they start, you know, with service. So we're talking with our life group and we're going, you realize that we've become a service on Sundays that might as well be called a cereal service. Because yeah. you're going to sit, you're going to put your feet up, you're going to put a bowl of cereal, and that's we're, so, we're, we're okay with that. In your pajamas, yeah. Yeah, and, and so by the same token, you know, I would say we never let it get to a division between our life group. We just chose to step yeah. aside. We love you guys. Because they're, they're brothers and sisters. But it got to a point that they're going, oh, man, am I so glad that our... Uh, and answered prayer. Our, our, the elder, our elder board and our senior pastor chose not to reopen. You know, they, and, and I said, you know, it's, it's, uh, it just confirmed your weakness. That's what it is. It's not strength, but of weakness. You, now, just for folks that, that are, you know, tuning in, I, 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 I want to clarify you guys don't go to our, our no. church. <laughs> no, they, they didn't leave their fellowship to, no. to no, come we to God speak. You, you live in Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, yeah. And, and this, this is something that is happening in Arizona as it's happening in Ventura County yes. here in California. Mm -hmm. And even in Arizona, they're open, and it's still the people aren't going. You, ha you have to share that with folks, and especially some of the pastors out there that are wanting to comply to these draconian, tyrannical measures that don't merit what they're doing. Um, these churches that complied in Arizona that wouldn't open and tried to appease the government, now they're opening and no one's coming back. Some are coming back, but it's never in the, in the, in the you know, population that, that we're coming back. Yeah, they're, and they're scared. They're so scared. We, we were part of a big mega church in Arizona yeah. with six campuses. So we, we, we attended the campus that was in our community. So she worked the children's ministry. I worked the parking lot, you know, greeting, welcoming people, uh, committee. And, uh, and so we get, you know, the phone call, you know, hey, you know, what's, what's going on? You know, we haven't, you know. And I said, you know, it's, it's time to step up. And uh, they, I, they called you to ask why you weren't there. there. Right. Yeah. And I said, you know, we we've chose to move on. You know, I Look came, for another spiritual I, leadership. I came, I came from... A communist system where I'm told what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and so forth. And I got the impression that that's where you were starting to indoctrinate. Oh no, no, no! You're just you're turning this all too political. And I said, everything, it's political. everything in our world, in our lives, there it is. Say it's it. political. There it is. Boom. And if you don't believe that, 
then you are gullible because I already lived it. Yep. So what I tell people about communism, it's not that it's theory. It's not that I read it in a book and I'm against <laughs> yeah. it. I lived it. I lived it. So you can't tell me what happens and what doesn't happen. So so this, this mega church with the six campuses that you... You just say we're seeking different leadership, and mm -hmm. and you, uh, we love you, and we're leaving. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was hard. I, okay, it was hard. Twenty years because you question yourself too. Yeah. You question yourself, but I think that's when you, as much as we grow, grew up, you know, we grew grew in the Word also because we went for the Word of God. Yeah, and they were good teachers. Good yeah, and teachers. and we went by ourselves to the Word of God because what is you know we need to is it us. Is it really God guiding us? You know, we really need to start praying, which, you know, I felt part, we've grown so much and God's been part of this because we've had to go look for his word, right? And, you know, figure out yeah. when is it us and when is it God telling us? And that, that, that was, you know, and I at work, there's subtle things that have happened at work, you know, brown bag meetings and, you know, inclusiveness and, Training and the other day. Oh, that's right. You. I, I, the other day, I had sent, I've already sent two emails out about certain things. The other day, I couldn't even focus on my my study time because my head was doing so many gymnastics about the next email I was going to write, and something clearly felt no. And I didn't know no because, it, so I, I just prayed God, just clear my mind. Let's just let me focus on my time with you, and my time with Him. I had this idea, instead of an email, gather some people, you know who they, you know who they are, gather some people, and start praying. That's where you're going to show your strength. Just, just so folks understand what you're talking about, because I know the story. They, they don't. You, and you don't have to share the company, but you work for a large company. I work for me. We're a growing company. Yeah. Large. And, and, uh, and now they're doing uh, critical race theory. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing yeah. sensitivity training. Yeah. And you're looking at this having come from communist Cuba, yeah. and you're looking going, whoa, this is, what is this? Exactly. <clears throat> and you push back, yep. say, look, I've, I survived what you're trying to do yep. to us. Yep. And they're kind of taken aback because this inclusiveness Goodness. and you're... And I've been there <clears throat> before this whole inclusiveness, and I feel more excluded now than included yeah. with all this inclusiveness, right? Because yeah. you're an immigrant. As a, limit, as a you know, Latino woman being there for so many years, I feel more excluded than included. Yeah. And so I did a lot of mental gymnastics because the email would have been a whole lot easier for me to send out an email than to gather a few people on Monday mornings to pray. And that should be terrible as a Christian that you're more afraid to gather a few people to pray than to send an email telling them where you think, you know, well, they but, are. But when you, when you put out that opportunity for folks in the company to pray, which is... In in a public company, yeah. you're you're going to be targeted. Yeah. You don't ask people to pray. You don't talk about God. Yeah. What are you thinking? Yeah. We're removing him. The response you Was got from incredible. employees, and these are not Christians. You're talking all, from all the I, spectrum. In my email, <clears throat> shared with them what I just shared with you. You know that moment I had, and how. To my surprise, the direction was don't send an email, but gather some people together. Um, and how I was not a professional or elegant public praying person. So, but God would be with us. I send it to people that were Catholics, Christians, Jews, just people that I know I've talked to about God, a small group, and said if they wanted to share this with anyone, they were more than welcome to. Yeah. 
an SVP immediately responded, this is the most wonderful Senior thing. Senior Vice President. President. Said and what now? This is the most wonderful thing. You go, girl. She invited another senior vice president, <clears throat> and in the call, and send it to six. We had about fifteen people, and and one of the one of the people at the end after the prayer said, "I have a I want I have a song, a worship song I want to share, which uh -huh. was came out of her, which was just perfect." And you know, everyone felt that they felt the peace because yeah. there's so much going on even internally within our own company, Amen. right? They felt the peace, and we're doing it again every Monday morning. Now, Carmen, you, you got senior vice presidents coming to your prayer meeting. Right. What? What are you, the president of the company? No, I'm just a, an account manager. So, so you got an account manager. Yeah. That is gutsy enough to invite people to pray. I'm in not a gutsy. I did mental gymnastic with uh, God for wait, wait, hours. Wait, 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 back <laughs> for up. Hours. Back up. Gutsy is obedience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I wasn't. Oh God, that's a great idea. I was. Ooh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, you're nervous. We're all nervous. Do. We're all nervous. Yeah. But you did it. No, I did it. In your circle of influence, you stood in opposition to tyranny yeah. and invited people to pray, and and ask God to yeah. do a, a work in that company. Yep. And it was going to come at a cost to you, yeah, but I, you counted it and you said. Well, I look back at what my parents did. It could That's still right. have it's consequences. It, it could. could. It could. And, hey, trust me. I know oh. that. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, they're, they're, we're ready to be shut down any Sunday. Yeah. We're still getting fined. <laughs> so. But you think of what our parents did. This yeah. is nothing. The, nothing. Nothing compared, compared to what they had to go through, right? Well, well let's do this because um, I, I know folks are, and right. we have to get our, our turkeys. Yeah. You know, it's Thanksgiving, and we don't want to talk forever. Would, would the two of you just share with everybody why this Thanksgiving is so special and what it means to you as people who survived communism, survived the loss of everything, found a place of refuge mm -hmm. that not only became a place of refuge but became home, and not just home, but a place where you are an American. Mm -hmm. you're, you're part of a family, of an idea mm -hmm. of freedom. What does Thanksgiving mean to you in regards to that? And if you want to share that, that's great. If you don't, then I'll just give the blessing out of numbers and we'll call it a night. No, I think for us every year, just like the same, my mother every February 8th reminds us it's a celebration because it's the day that we had freedom. That February 8th is just as important as Thanksgiving. But not only that we're here, but that our children get to worship. Amen. And and know the and all Lord. your children walk with God. Yeah, mm -hmm. so Amen. and know the Lord, right? And so and that our parents are here, and that we are we are part of a solution that we can also stand up today. And we just we we're grateful for that, but we want God to. There's something the new pastor we're going to said. Compromise is contagious, but so is courage. It's so a good we word, to, Carmen. We, Compromise is contagious, contagious but, but so, so is courage. courage. And when he said that, I didn't have to write it down because I knew I would never forget it. Yeah. And so we're grateful that God is showing us. And that's your that new courage. pastor of the it's church. Our new that's pastor. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, it's boom. Our new pastor who <clears throat> really has stand up. Is yes. this, is, so we're grateful that God is showing us how to be courageous, yeah. it, whether it's small or big. I got to tell you, account manager, it's big. <laughs> Well, I don't know, but small or big, but my parents did so much more, yeah. so much more that we need to do the same for our grandkids, right? Amen. We need and, to just... and for me, Thanksgiving is March 21st. That was the day that we landed yeah. on U.S. soil. 
and uh, part of the blessing is you made a, a comment to it to know that our kids are being obedient to God. And we continue to pray for them and their families. And we think it's a blessing, you know, how Brian has <clears throat> landed at. Don't you go doing that. <laughs> You're getting me all proclaimed. I'm going to take it from here. What the folks don't realize is I'm sitting with two folks that raised one of the finest young men I've ever had the privilege to know. He's a servant. Brian's been to me such a treasure. He serves as an elder. But everywhere you look, Brian's busy. When this COVID hit, he's the one who was taking all the supplies to the elderly that were shut in and alienated. He loved on them. Everywhere I look, he's serving somebody. He is a, a good husband. He's a good father. He's a good son. And, and I know that because I see how he operates in that, that realm. But I have to tell you, he is a great friend. He has been such a treasure to me. And I'm sitting with two folks who understand the value of the freedom we've been given. And you've instilled the joy of this nation and the love of God into your child that has blessed my life. I sit with you. There's much to be thankful for. The list is long. But 2020 has been a refiner's fire that has removed the shallow and the trite mm -hmm. and what's left standing as people of character. And um, your son, I'm thankful for him. He's a treasure. And I know why he's so special. Because I'm looking at his parents who understand what it means to be thankful and faithful. And um, I want the folks there to meet two people who I don't get to spend a lot of time with you, but you do know I love you. And I love what you've, you've blessed my life with, and that's your son. So thank you, guys. And happy Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Thank happy two Thanksgiving. wonderful Americans. Mm -hmm. Praise God that he guide us. Amen. That he guide us. I knew you'd just be a sobbing mess, so I tried to get through <laughs> that. So let, let me read this quote, because I love one-liners. <clears throat> this is the uh, true definition of spiritual act of blind... Hang in there. Obedience... You give me thanks regardless of your feelings, and I give you joy regardless of your circumstances. We pray for you and your staff. In my daily devotional, and pray for the strength of your staff and what you mean and what you stand for because you are the light and we listen to your service every Sunday so you're ministering to us whether you know it or not you had to go and do that <laughs> <laughs> alright I love you both thank you for the kind words and the, the blessings upon my life folks if if, if you can't realize that this is a wonderful nation and there's lots to be thankful for, even in the trying 
uh, endless year of 2020. I mean, we've lived 10 years in one, right? Mm -hmm. But this has been a refiner's fire, and God has removed all that is shallow and trite. And what you see today and what you've heard, this is, this is the substance of faith. This is the beauty of this nation. This is what we're about. And so happy Thanksgiving to all of you. And here's a blessing out of number six. And I wanted to say thank you to Orlando and Carmen. Thank you. God bless thank you guys you. for joining us. This is your Thanksgiving blessing to all of you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And happy Thank Thanksgiving you. to you Me and too. your family. That is Thank a delight you. and we love you. Thank you. And come back again soon. Under protest again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Get back to the turkey. God bless you. you.